0: I can do two finger press or...
1: Sodding, really? Yeah. Come on.
0: I just made that up, but I feel like I could. <laughs> Shall I give it a go?
1: No, because then we'll just hear two distinct little snaps. Don't, don't. I don't... I'm going to start. What about this? Oh, for God's sake. You ready? Yeah, go on. Okay. He's... No. Right. I'm, I'm trying to do this like a sports commentator. So he's he's gone down. He's He's down he's bloody hell that's one finger one thumb keep pressing up jeez that's some strength
0: i did two whole push-ups
1: you did more impressed by the push-ups just in general let alone the i mean unspeakable pain (laughs) hey up i'm joe heathcote and this is consistently eccentric a podcast where i will attempt to teach a friend of mine a lesson from british history focusing specifically on the lesser known and less believable people and events that the history books tend to leave out. So let's get started with... So, you know how I normally start these things.
0: With an erection.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are in a cheeky mood.
0: Oh dear. It's a little winky gimme. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a funny joke. <laughs> it's, not Just funny. it's not a funny joke. It is not a funny joke at Did all. You, do you know when you
1: said you went to the toilet... Were you snorting (laughs) cocaine?
0: I'm too poor for that. It
1: was just bath salts. Yeah. Mm. Mm. No, no, no. Okay. Okay. Start fresh. So so usually I start by telling you what era we're in. Yeah. To give you a bit of a, a, you know, an idea of of what kind of people you're going to be dealing with. But before I give you that, this time I have to warn you, that pretty much everyone in this story has the name John. Okay. So to get around that, after I've given their full name, we'll be using surnames pretty much exclusively, just to try and avoid confusion, okay?
0: Okay. Well so, we could be like, okay, that's John C, there's Johnny, Jonah.
1: I think it will get more confusing that way. Okay. <clears throat> because I think there's some people who also have the same second initial. <laughs> so we just mean there's John C, John C two. John C3. John C3 PO. And the, yeah. So, to be warned, there's a lot of Johns in this. Okay. But We've th- got
0: to be more descriptive of the people then.
1: Okay. I'll I'll try. So, this story takes place in the Georgian era. And the three words that you've got to got to bear in mind for this are fashion, yep, women, watches.
0: We do this every time. Yep, we do. And I'm aware it's coming, mm-hmm. and I have never had a response.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm I'm gonna stick with it because it's one of those things that I always like writing.
0: No, I enjoy it. Yeah.
1: Fashion, fashion, women, and watches. Okay? okay,
0: straight on to the next thing. Right,
1: right. Straight into the facts. So, okay, in 1750 or 1752, mm-hmm. we're not sure, but probably in April, John ran. Which year? Of either seventeen fifty 1750 or seventeen fifty-two, we're, we're more sure about the month rather than the year.
0: And you wanted to be clear about I the am, story. I am. I am
1: being very clear. Okay. This is the best information we have. John Ran was born in Bath, or possibly London. Is that clear enough for you?
0: Yes. And Good. we're calling John Ran Ran. Ran's going to get confusing.
1: We're going to call John Ran. Ranny. He gets a nickname. Don't worry. Okay. Okay. There are no details of his childhood, as his parents were poor. And as a result, historically speaking, very uninteresting. They probably had rich family
0: dramas. Paper was expensive.
1: Um, yes, and literacy was not um, widespread amongst poor people. So even if they'd managed to scrounge together paper, the idea of them writing their memoirs is probably a long shot. He was definitely born at some point. We know that. By the age of fourteen, John Ran had realized that he was never going to amount to anything if he stuck around with his parents.
0: And he bloody weight hanging around his neck. An uninteresting
1: pair of mouth breathers who I mean, I couldn't find their names. That's how I'm guessing one of them was Mr. Ran and the other was Mrs. Ran. See,
0: they could have been really, really interesting. Yeah. Because they were illiterate and couldn't afford paper.
1: Yeah. And that's why, you know, things like, well, you say they could have been interesting, but if there's one thing that the 21st century has taught us, it's that, you know, are people interesting in general? Most
0: people are if you talk
1: to them. Oh, okay. By the age of 14, he decided to go his own way and he had left to become an apprentice coachman, working in some of the fancier areas of London. So his job would be to...
0: Feed the horses.
1: Well, to to basically look after the coach, you know, and to, to take people where they wanted to go. I'm guessing as an apprentice, his job was mainly to open the door and shut the door.
0: And clean it when it's not and, being used.
1: Well, when some of the rich hoity-toities had accidentally left a, a pavement pizza in the back of the coach, it would be his job to to clean that off. Yeah. I, I imagine the head coachman's not doing that job.
0: he give a lot of compliments... In that role. Um, very nice fox scarf you're wearing. Well,
1: this was, this was, um, Lady I Bethan. know, especially during the Regency era that you, you would pick your, your footman and your coachman and all those people based on the shape of their calf. So it was, it was a weird thing where the invoke thing was Is a man. True? Yeah. It was a man with a very shapely calf. If you go to, um, your place where you used to live, Brighton, the Royal Pavilion, that's yeah. the one, uh along the bottom of the banqueting hall, there are some mirrors that are on an angle mm. so that you can surreptitiously check out the calf of the gentleman you might be talking to without making it too obvious.
0: Is that and the selling point back then? What, what's, the the what's, the, what's the overriding physical feature now?
1: Well, I don't know about now, but it got to the point back then that people would wear fake calves. So you'd sort of strap on an, a, an appendage that you'd wear under your your pants to make it look like he had a bigger calf, and one of the other uses of those little mirrors was for the guys wearing these fake things to make sure that during the festivities the hadn't calf hadn't slipped. hadn't slipped around to make it look like a rather unseemly lump on the shin.
0: Oh my god! He, yeah. Ooh, he's got a fat ankle. That
1: <laughs> slid down. Yeah. Can't get the straps tight enough. So yeah, I mean, it just goes to show that whatever the current standard of beauty is, That's you look back, bollocks, you it? look back on it, it's probably going to be seen as a bit weird. <laughs> No, at different times being fat and pale was considered the height of beauty because yeah. you could afford to stay in and eat. eat, which is, oh yeah, that's a sign of being rich. I mean, wasn't there one of the one of the um, queens who had to be brought to her coronation in a litter because she was so bloated with gout? In a litter? Yeah, uh, she was carried in a litter, you know, like just like a sort of, it's like a stretcher with pillows in it, essentially. She was carried to a coronation because she was so bloated with gout and gastro problems and people looking at and going look at look at how attractive she is she doesn't even walk anymore that's how rich she is right so it's it's
0: just it's just the money that they're attracted to
1: money power standing i mean these days if you're able to be slim and toned it's a good idea that you've got some disposable income isn't it
0: unless you're really slim and toned
1: well yeah and then you've got access to heroin Um, So anyway, he's working in the fancier areas of London. And John, he observed the high-class clients he was ferrying around, and he developed a strong desire to experience their extravagant lifestyles for himself.
0: Is this a rags-to-riches story?
1: We'll see. Uh, But the leap from coachman to a nobleman is going to be tricky. There's no direct path betwixt the two.
0: There always has to be someone first to uh, open those doors
1: well there always has to be someone to open those doors for you he befriended a rich merchant who began giving him money to dress up like a nobleman i'm guessing because it amused the merchant to have a young fine carved man yeah. that he could dress up in fine clothes and take to his club and show his friends you know look at my young toy boy um John was in for it because he
0: they still do that now that that joke yeah but it's normally on a building site and you ask the apprentice for a a left-handed screwdriver
1: well (laughs) and tartan paint yeah Uh, John whatever whatever the arrangement was he was getting a taste of the good life he loved it he began wearing silk stockings and breeches
0: I bet they feel good
1: tying each with eight silver-tipped strings below the knee so that's pretty cool so is each it? of his stockings was tied with eight silver tip strings below the knee which apparently was a way of showing off wealth
0: is that sexy
1: well he earned himself the nickname 16 string jack so that's his his name now
0: He's called john ran
1: no his name is now 16 string jack okay okay or ssj if you want to no, we'll Colin,
0: we'll do the full full one.
1: Okay. Well, the only thing he loved more than fashion was women. And he soon realised that all the fine clothes in the world would not be enough if he didn't have the money to back it up. Because they'd look at him and they'd think, "Oh, he's a fine... Carved man. He, You'd look at him, he's, he's got money. Is that
0: 15, 16 strings?
1: Yeah, all silver-tipped. He's obviously loaded. And then when they agree to go home with him, he's staying... I'm guessing in the stable with the horses. Yeah. And the the smell of horse manure has never been an aphrodisiac. So he needs to do something about that. He's got the look. He now needs the pad to go with it. He needs to be able to be a bit showy around town.
0: How is he going to achieve this?
1: Hmm. Well, he had to come up with a plan.
0: He's going to be a criminal. Oh, he's going to start stealing from the coach.
1: His plan was pocketing? Oh, brilliant. Good plan.
0: Yeah. Uh, Why are all Jack's criminals? <laughs> well, he's not. He's a John. Yeah, but now he's now he's become a Jack.
1: Yeah, uh, it is true. Now, he became a Jack it... and immediately started becoming a criminal as well.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, you're, as far as I know, not a criminal, but I don't know what you get up to when you're not here. Maybe you are. Maybe all this talk of having a job and all the things you do is just you covering for a massive criminal empire. Yeah, I'm quite thrifty. It's not the same thing as pickpocketing, though, really, is it?
0: Yeah, i you're really so, saying I'm handsome.
1: <laughs> as John was mixing with the higher classes, he was able to make good money stealing from those around him. From the age of 20 to 23, he was caught three or four times by the Bow Street Runners and brought before Sir John Fielding, who was a magistrate. It wasn't just okay. a random sir. Um, Can we
0: call him Meadows McCoy?
1: you could but his name's Sir John Fielding so this, this was still at a time where pickpocketing potentially carried the death penalty so the fact that he'd been picked up four times and managed to get away scot-free
0: who's scot-free
1: yes very funny so the reason that they couldn't prosecute him was because they couldn't find a prosecutor in time they literally couldn't find somebody to um, argue the case for them and after a certain amount of time, they just gave up and let him go. So there was—it it wasn't that he proved his innocence, or that is this some intelligent
0: twenty-four-hour. It's a bit. Like, it seemed yeah. to be a bit is it like forty-eight that? hours now. What was that program? Uh, got- 24
1: hours in police custody. That's the one. Yeah, it it must, It must. seems like it was a bit like that, where they, they caught him and said, look, bang to rights, he had this on it. It's monogrammed with this guy's initials. This guy said he saw him steal it. And like, oh, this seems like an open and shut case. We've just got to wait for a prosecutor to arrive to tell this to the judge. And they waited. And then eventually just went, oh, sod oh, it, God. it's getting late. I want to go to the pub. Off you go, don't do it again.
0: Which doesn't four, seem like a, three or four times. Yeah, it doesn't
1: seem like the best way. But I, I doubt they were keeping records. I doubt they knew it was like the fourth offence. Also, oh. he's already got two names. Mm. So that's, you know. You, that's just give a, you just
0: give a different name every yeah. time.
1: Who are you? John. Man? <laughs> John Ham. That's my name.
0: Really simple.
1: Uh, but although, you know the Bow Street runners were taking him there and then were getting a bit bored. Uh, Fielding was persistent. He was determined because he'd seen through all of these tricky names. Yeah. And I'm guessing disguises, really bad disguises that he was wearing. Uh, And he managed to have John Rann committed to Bridewell twice in early 1773. Once for allegedly, allegedly, he robbed a house. And once for allegedly... How did you get away with a
0: whole house?
1: (laughs) Robbing... Some of the contents of a
0: house. You've got to be clear with your words. And
1: once for allegedly robbing the, co- the contents of the pockets <laughs> of some people who were in a stagecoach on Hounslow Heath. So he stole on the highway. He oh, committed man, yeah. a, a it's robbery. He's a, a highwayman. On the highway. Yeah. No, all I'm saying now is he's committed a robbery on the highway. I'm not, I'm not going that far yet. Bridwell had originally been a royal palace. Uh, built for Henry VIII, but it had been constructed, rather unfortunately, next to an open sewer. And in 1553, the new Queen Mary I gave it away to the city of London because she presumably went there, took one sniff and went, I am never, ever coming here again. You have it." it. So she gave it to the city of London, who wisely started using it to hold poor and destitute people.
0: How hard is it to make an open sewer closed?
1: Well, in that, um, if you don't have to, if it's only going to affect poor people, is it all and like it's clay
0: piping, and
1: yeah, I mean, if it's only going to affect poor people, and your, you know, nobility, and you can just hand it off because you've got plenty of other castles, is it worth the effort to close the sewer? Hmm. Huh?
0: Oh, no, I was just wondering how hard it would be.
1: I don't know. Yeah. I, I imagine not that hard. I imagine it would have been worth it for all these poor destitute people who were forced to live next to it. Yeah. Um, It naturally evolved into a prison uh, where suspects would await appearances in court. So you go to Bridwell and you basically wait to be called up to the courts. John ran. this time around, was released without charge.
0: Andy Dufresne crawled through.
1: <laughs> he didn't have to crawl through anything. He He was... Accused of robbing the contents of a house, he was accused of standing some people up on a highway, and both times released uh, because the witnesses were unable to identify him as the robber. This was in part because John Ram would ditch his flamboyant outfits when he was out on the rob, so he wasn't thick. He wasn't wearing his sixteen-stringed fine socks. Yeah. I imagine partly because if you're out on the heath at night you're probably going to get muddy and he's such a fashion Easter, he's not going to take out his fine st- silk stockings is he? No. He's going to get himself into some dirty old workman clothes and... just get in a bag.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's hard
1: to ride a horse in a bag.
0: Like a potato sack. Yeah.
1: I'm wearing a sack. Nah, he, he, he basically... It was almost the perfect way of covering up his crimes because everyone knew him as that guy who wears those amazingly over-the-top outfits. So you're not going to be thinking of him when you see someone wearing just, you know, a sort of weather-stained travel cloak and you know, You, know,
0: you know how, like, breast implants just got to that ridiculous level where it's... I remember seeing on... um it was a clip on This Morning, and she's got, like... How, how... Saturday, like she could like crush watermelons with each boob. Did she
1: do that on this morning? It's like something like
0: did quadruples. did Richard Z- Madeley have an aneurysm Zen as he watched something like that? Right, but I'm just imagining these calves getting bigger and bigger. All oh, right, like an I, I arms was, race. I was worried that this was a non sequitur. No, and I'm bringing it back. Yeah,
1: well, as far as I know, John Ram wasn't particularly ever known for having the calves. It was more about the fashion. Right. So I think maybe he was lacking in the calf department and he was but trying to front wood. it out. I th- well, they must have been, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, carved wooden calves that you'd strap on with, I'm guessing, leather sort of straps around your foot, around your leg even. Not only was sending John to Bridwell ultimately pointless, though, because he got off on both, it also allowed him to befriend a number of other criminals, including a man known, <laughs> <laughs> and I love this, as Eight-String James, who must have been livid, livid about that. <laughs> so, hello i'm eight string james who are you i'm 16 string jack
0: because he's obviously proud of his eight strings oh yeah
1: I, I couldn't figure out whether it was because he wore eight strings around there or whether it was something else like whether he played especially um constructed guitar which is like instead of the normal six strings this is
0: an eight string
1: lute. <laughs> i've added on a, an extra two
0: do you like lute music <laughs>
1: Yeah, he was in there for busking Prison's without fun. a permit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, including a man known as Eight String James. With a crew of like-minded young men around him, John made the decision to leave the minor leagues and to commit to highway robbery as a full-time occupation. So he's not pickpocketing and housebreaking anymore. He's going straight for the the top of yeah. the criminal tree in terms of notoriety, in terms of fame, because if if nothing else, John Ran wants to live the life.
0: Is the twist going to be that this ends abruptly? Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm.
1: Well, we've, we've not even got to his first official highway robbery. I mean, I know he committed robbery on a highway, but now he is a highwayman. Now he has decided that's what he's going to do. So his first highway robbery with an accomplice in Hounslow Heath was so successful that John decided to celebrate by also robbing two graziers. And if you don't know what a grazier is, it's a cattle farmer who just so happened to be walking up the road. Which seems an odd thing to do, because how much money and valuables do you think the average cattle farmer takes out with them when they're about their business?
0: A lot. A lot. Not a lot. Um, Which one is it? Some? Not Few. a Few? Not a lot. Ah. So, after a full-on
1: fist fight... Because he didn't just stand and deliver; he decided to punch these poor
0: gentlemen going about their business. And I, I felt like I feel like the farmers would have a, a greater advantage in a fist fight.
1: Well, I mean, we say that the farmers; these are graziers. These might just be poor people who just follow the cows around all day. I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking a farmer's done a lot of physical labor's probably toned. Yeah. But either way john forced them to hand over the few pennies that they had yeah so not a lot was what they had before he wished them a joyful journey and sped off back towards the city to spend his loot on fancy clothes just power walking away and I, no he was on a horse oh so he he dismounted his horse probably showed them that he had a pistol beat 10 bells of out of them <laughs> forced them to hand over a few pennies and then just rub salt into the wound. have a lovely time guys i'm off to I'm off to the city to spend all of my loot, yeah, in a way he went uh yes, on fancy clothes and accommodating women so on November thirteenth seventeen seventy three John and four accomplices committed a spree of robberies around the Hampstead area of London. This included robbing a foreigner who had been on foot in a field, some gentlemen in the coach who handed over a guinea in gold and six shillings and six in silver mm. That's not bad, I don't think. Uh, and a man standing by his horse, although the man with the horse had no money on him, and they declined the handkerchief that he offered them. Was so he, he standing was by be, his horse? He was standing or was by standing his standing horse? By a horse. He was stood by his horse. Sort of, they well. rode up high on the robberies that they'd already done. They demanded he handed over all he had. He rather sadly offered them one handkerchief. Said, I, I, "I'm playing the game. This is all I have." And they just looked at it and went. Nah, mate. It is cotton. We're good, and left him. And he probably, despite himself, felt slightly sad that he hadn't. He hadn't even been worth robbing. So, oh no.
0: And then he walks away from the horse that wasn't his. <laughs> he was just standing back. He was just proud that someone thought he owned a horse. <laughs> is that your horse? I'm, yes.
1: <laughs> I couldn't say. <laughs> Poor man. So after rounding off the evening by firing off their pistols in a field, not at anything, they just they were so excited and pumped, and they hadn't actually, <laughs> no one had taken them up on the life part of your money or your life. So they were a bit, you know, they were all loaded with nothing to do, so they fired off all of the pistols. Uh, the five men went to the Three Tons pub to divvy up the loot and to drink to a job well done.
0: Yeah,
1: that's what a lovely evening for some young twenty somethings to, I ho- I to hope have they- together.
0: I hope this story... I hope they live long enough to get to the spiritual part of their life. Because it's, it's like it's like the, the life of a rock star, isn't it? So oh, you ha- yeah. So you have the excess, uh, womanising, drugs, mm. oh, excitement, uh, destruction, ice. and then you get to, like, 35, 40, and then you find God, and then you do a religious album. Okay. Are we going to get there? <laughs> I feel like it's going to be short-lived for these folk...
1: You're still you're still labouring under the impression that um, what's his face eight string actually plays a lute. I don't think he did. I don't think there was a musician in. No, the bunch. he did. Okay, that's what he does. He just follows them around. He doesn't actually engage in the robbery. He just sings what he's seeing. Yeah. You Punched a grazier guy. in the face, <laughs> spilled in claret all over the place. Yeah. He was <laughs> and now I'm going into Brave Sir Robin, so I've got to stop.
0: He's such a good freestyler. <laughs>
1: Uh, so, unfortunately for them, all of the men that they had robbed went straight to Sir John Fielding, who dispatched the Bow Street runners to search all the disorderly houses in the area. The three tons definitely qualified as a disorderly house and all five men were arrested for being disorderly. Yeah. Because they got rather drunk. Uh, unfortunately for John Rann, one of his fellow robbers, John Scott, or Scotty, as we shall call him. Scotty McCoy. Yeah. He decided
0: to save his own skin. I know it was Meadows McCoy, wasn't it? Mm. We're we'll calling Scotty Bottoms.
1: Okay, so Scotty Bottoms decided to turn on all the others in order to save his own skin, and he even agreed to testify at the trial. The trial did not start badly, as one of the rob men, Robert Simmons, explained that the robbers had behaved exceedingly civil and rather begged for the money than used violent means. <laughs> So it's, I'm now imagining, like... Um, He's rem-
0: victim-blaming himself. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, well, I'm just imagining him sort of I was oh, begging for it. Give us, give us some money. Go on. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, come on. I don't like this robber. Yeah. The coachman backed this up by stating that one of the robbers threatened to blow his brains out but after he
0: he, offered him a tissue when when he's sneezing
1: one of the robbers uh, threatened to blow his brains out but after he asked that the robber put his pistol down he did and he behaved exceedingly civil I'm going to blow your brains out oh don't do that oh I'm I'm so sorry did I scare you I didn't mean to I I was getting into character
0: sir I think that would scare me more than just aggression like brutal aggression
1: (laughs) what them flipping between brutal aggression and being really polite not
0: knowing what's going like if you go into a situation and you're like okay this is just violence i'm ready for violence (laughs) and it's like give me all the money how are you today (laughs) oh
1: fuck (laughs) you better hurry up i'm getting i'm getting angry by the way just just as you go into town around the corner there's a lovely little french bistro took the wife there last week i recommend it
0: oh weird shit's gonna happen to me tonight (laughs)
1: In fact, do you know, after the robbery's over I might take you. No
0: It's when you start beating yourself up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Is this what you want? But did, not only did they get a glowing review from the people they robbed, in terms of the service, I guess, that
0: they provided. It's, it's funny that they <laughs> would be. They reported the crime. Yeah. But then we're so complimentary. <laughs> it's almost like they, they, they've they uh, done their own mind game with it as well <laughs>
1: I really hate to do this because they were such fine young gentlemen but I I mean by the letter of the law they have robbed me so I'm doing my civic duty by reporting mm. it but please go easy on them yeah. lovely kids maybe you could just have a stern talking with them stern talking to but the real positive for John and these guys was such
0: potential
1: the real positive was that none of the witnesses were able to positively identify any of them Despite despite the fact that they made no attempt to hide their faces and the robberies, I'm sure you assume they happened in the dead of night, full sunlight, these robberies were broad daylight robberies. So despite the fact that none of them were wearing hoods or masks or even hats and they were, they stuck around long enough to have apparently exceedingly civil conversations with all of their victims, the victims couldn't identify them.
0: Because they're all gurning. (laughs) <laughs> They're all just pulling faces.
1: I think it leads further credence to your idea that in the interim between them being uh, them reporting the robbery and them coming to the trial to be witnesses, they all had to change apartment. But actually, they were such lovely young men. I don't want to. I don't want to ruin their lives. This criminal record will, will stop them gaining meaningful employment. <laughs> <Yeah>. You know. <laughs> John Rand didn't even bother to produce a character witness, and when asked what his defence was, he just said, "I know no more of the matter." Than a child unborn. That was his defence. It's
0: quite poetic, though. Mm. So, and the judge went. Oh, John! Well, the judge, oh, unfortunately,
1: John. in the judge's mind, I assume, had to say, "Yeah, um, you're all free to go." So, for seven more months, sixteen-string Jack terrorised the area around Hampstead, surviving multiple brushes with Sir John Fielding. Oh, he, that bought him out of. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That worked. That defence worked. The unborn baby's defence.
0: Everyone's so smitten, aren't they?
1: Well, he's—you've got to realise—he turned up to that trial in 16-string Jack garb. He looked amazing. All the latest fashions, beautiful. Probably paid for the outfit with the money that he'd robbed off the people. Yeah. But he looked beautiful. And the judge, having heard that, apparently, do I need to put more effort
0: into my appearance? If you're going to is commit highway robbery,
1: yes. If you're going to become a criminal, no, but I... <laughs> you need to be a criminal that the public can love. And one of the ways of doing that is to be physically attractive.
0: Should I buy a suit or something?
1: Yes. But this is a conversation for after the podcast. Do Should wanna,
0: I be wearing underpants right now?
1: Do you want to get back to what John Rand did after he'd been, you know, terrorising the place for seven months? Yes, you do. Yes, I can see that. Thank you. So, on May 21st, John and an unidentified accomplice stopped a coach containing a man called John. But this is John Duval. So, Duval. 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 The two men made off with seven guineas and a gold watch. John ran, not Duval, then returned to the house of a lady of ill repute called Catherine Smith, with five guineas in the watch. So, I guess we can assume that his accomplice got away with the uh, two guineas
0: right i miss what happened then john give me the skinny john ran yeah
1: and another person that we don't know the name of robbed a guy called deval
0: yep, of a Duval.
1: watch and seven guineas yeah john later turns up at a prostitute's house with five guineas and the watch so we're assuming that the two guineas he doesn't have were his mate. for the mate that's right. his pick cut okay the prostitute's name is katherine smith okay because i want to mention her again now He asked Catherine, the prostitute, to pawn the watch. And she, in turn, asked a lady by the name of Eleanor Roach to do so. Which is, I I don't see why you need two levels of outsourcing for pawning a watch, but that's fine.
0: Well, she didn't have the contacts, Catherine.
1: Okay, so Eleanor... The only
0: contact she has is Roach.
1: Okay, well, Eleanor did as she was asked and took the watch to the shop of a watchmaker named John. John Allum, though, this time. So, Ran stole the watch from Duval... And he took the watch that he'd stolen from Duval to a prostitute who gave it to another prostitute who then took it to Alam.
0: Can we call him Johnny? Um, what can we call him?
1: I'm just going to call him Alam the watchmaker. Unfortunately, and this is.
0: We'll call him Johnny uh, Hands and. Face. And what's in a watch? Face. Cogs. Hansen Cogs. So
1: Eleanor did as she was asked and she took Hans the watch Cogs. to the shop of a watchmaker named Johnny Hansen Cogs. Unfortunately, it was Hansen Cogs who had made the watch in the first place. What are the chances? And he immediately recognised it as his work yeah. and called for the Bow Street runners. Eleanor was arrested as she was clearly in possession of a stolen watch. Yeah. She immediately turned on John and Catherine and agreed to give evidence at the trial, if she was spared. Sir John Fielding agreed, and the case came before a jury. So it looks like time's run out for old Mr John Ran. Oh, ha, ha,
0: ha. Should we leave it there?
1: Anyway, John Ran came to court dressed to the nines. He had tied blue ribbons around the shackles on his arms... And was wearing what was described as an unusually large amount of flowers in his coat. And I've seen an artist's impression of this, and he's literally wearing
0: sixty tulips
1: where you would normally have a buttonhole, you know, like one. He had an entire bouquet of flowers. He was festooned in flowers. So pretty, isn't he? Throughout the trial, he was seen to be joking and carefree. We call him Bonnie Jack now. We're calling him Sixteen String Jack. Oh yeah. Uh, throughout the trial, he was seen to be joking and carefree, and when he was asked to provide a defence, he stated that Eleanor Roach was trying to frame him because he refused to take her as a lover. So she was it was unrequited love, and she had hatched a plot to gain access to stolen property in order to frame him.
0: And, you know, the the, the judge and the jury are looking at each other and sort of doing, like, a a, a shrug of agreement. Yeah, okay, that makes sense.
1: Well... <laughs> yeah, they did because the jury believed John, and he was found not guilty. Oh, he's so, sixteen-string Jack was now one of the most notorious figures in London. Because although the jury, he managed to convince, because he was in the room with them, and his his sheer weight of charisma had had forced them to believe him. That the common people of London hearing the story were like, well, he's he's clearly done that. So he was he was a notorious criminal, uh, and the fame which he'd always craved went immediately to his head he began to brag in taverns that he could make money quicker than he could spend it and on several occasions he even went so far as to announce in public that he was a high woman <laughs> there was even an occasion where um he was seen to be climbing in at a woman's window possibly to do a bit of housebreaking and she was so overcome by the celebrity status of the guy who was breaking <laughs> into her house that she claimed despite having never met him before that he was her lover and that it was a dalliance that they were having to protect him. This is someone she'd never met, but she was so overcome with the celebrity status that he got.
0: I'm sort of overcome.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But she's like, oh, no, 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 no. He just wanted to have sex with me. And he still can. (laughs) We're still in the room, ma'am. I'm here, Jack. (laughs) Can can we leave? Is there a crime? No. The only crime is my passion. (laughs) So as you can imagine, when... Even when he's doing a a rubbish bit of housebreaking, that happens. He fancied himself invincible. And on September 26, 1774, he robbed a stagecoach containing a Dr William Bell, who just so happened to be the personal chaplain to Princess Amelia.
0: Do we know William Bell? Has he come up before?
1: It would be a different one. Okay. If it had. Um, At first, Dr Bell said that he only had a few pennies to give. But once the robber motioned to his pistol and threatened to go blow the good doctor's brains out. Well, we heard that phrase before. Previous robbery. Uh, he remembered that he also had a rather fine-looking gold watch. Learning absolutely nothing from previous experience, John took the watch to Eleanor Roach. You're joking. Who he was now sleeping with. <laughs> um, an I
0: assume everybody who meets Jack is sleeping with him.
1: Okay, male and female. Yeah. Yeah, so... Basically, after she tried to, after she turned state's witness on him, he forgave her, slept with her, and he now is in possession of another stolen watch that he is going to give to her to pawn. Not
0: to hands and cogs.
1: Uh, this time, no, Eleanor went to a pawnbroker because she learned from taking it to a watchmaker. Unfortunately, the pawnbroker's that she went to was literally just around the corner from her flat. Isn't the best place to go if you're mm. trying to fend stolen goods. Uh, the pawnbroker obviously knew her and refused to give her any money for the watch. He then called the Bow Street Runners and told them where she lived. John <laughs> so, Ran and Eleanor were caught in the flat with the watch. And at the trial, for the first time in four years of highway robbery, the victim, Dr. Bell, was able to positively identify John Rann as the robber. This was in part because Sir John Fielding had brought Dr Bell to identify John Rand as soon as he had been apprehended rather than waiting over a month for the trial, as had been happening previously. So you know how we were laughing at the fact that the guys couldn't remember what he looked like in broad daylight? Yeah. They'd seen him during a robbery in broad daylight, a traumatic experience, and then they hadn't been asked to identify him for over a month. During which time, I'm guessing he'd had time to change his facial hair. He'd had time to change his entire appearance <laughs> if he wanted to. And then, like, is this the man? Uh, uh. I, I honestly couldn't say. I've I've been repressing that memory rather hard since it happened. So you do realize he tried to he threatened to blow my brains out. Yeah. Then <laughs> he made a rather rather rude and slightly erogenous kind of no, motion with hoodie. his gun. Uh, John tried. He went to his greatest hits. He tried the old... Oh, I like no. to
0: think there was like a... a so it's the line up and then there's also like mirrors <laughs> angled at the carve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'd recognise
1: there's calves anywhere. It's him. He did it. <laughs> John tried the old I know nothing defence that had worked so well for him in the past.
0: And he changed it up again or is he yeah. he's using the same line? No, like, I know nothing as a small unborn child.
1: No, this time it was I know as little about this matter... As a dementing old priest who's <laughs> lived in a hermitage for the past thirty years off the coast of
0: Scotland, and the jury in the in the
1: yeah they were like this and isn't the as good goes, Ugh. yeah they were like this isn't this isn't it's as good as his early work it's,
0: <laughs> oh,
1: oh I'm really not getting the metaphor this I'm really time. rooting for you Jack but I can't give you that so uh, it didn't work and sixteen string Jack was sentenced to be hung while Eleanor Roach was sentenced to fourteen
0: years deportation. Where did you get deported to at that point?
1: I think this. Well, where would this have been? She go to Hull. It was. It was one of the colonies. I don't know which one she went to. Somewhere nasty.
0: Or oh, beautiful.
1: This this turn of events though was very surprising to John, who had already arranged a party to cele- which John John ran. Okay. He'd arranged a party to celebrate his acquittal. So he got a. He he paid for food. He paid for a drink. He he had a victory party all prepared, um, and he didn't get to go to it, which is a shame.
0: Did they have it anyway?
1: Um, I'm ass- he 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 was celebrating with the criminal element of London. I'm assuming if there was a prepaid bar and food on the go, they weren't going to let that go to waste, were they?
0: They're carrot sticks. Can I call?
1: <laughs> However. To be fair to Mr. John Rann, he didn't let his impending death get him down, and whilst being held in Newgate Prison, he was visited by lots of ladies, and he even had a new pea green outfit made in preparation for his big day. So he ordered a new suit. John was taken by cart to Tyburn on December 7th, 1774, following a farewell dinner with his favourite seven women. He managed to narrow it down to
0: seven. Is that a harem?
1: It's it's getting on for a harem, yeah. harem. Once again, he had a bouquet of flowers pinned to his suit and he enjoyed some banter with both the crowd and the hangman, even dancing a quick jig before placing his head willingly into the noose. He was 24.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And as far as we know, aside from punching two farmers, he had never harmed a single person that he'd robbed.
0: They'd enriched all their lives.
1: Yep. And that is the story of John Rann, aka Sixteen String Jack, the first truly dandy high women. I'm smitten. Oh yeah, he's a look you, you get the feeling that in this day and
0: age, he's someone who would have. I was trying to scour my mind for a celebrity or a famous person. That's similar to him. I couldn't. I couldn't get anything. You feel I was like sort of thinking, well, Russell Brand in, in this, his early days. In
1: this day and age, what would have happened is he would have probably been sentenced to prison for five to ten years, and he would have come out as sort of in his early thirties, um, having learned a bit of humility. And he would have been one of those charismatic people who could really sort of talk to the youth about the the perils and pitfalls of crime. That he could have had his charismatic. Personality turned to good.
0: Now nah, they would have just turned it to sales on a phone. Have <laughs> you know, been selling like a broadband package?
1: Oh god, could you imagine if he got hold of the concept of a pyramid scheme? That would have been the way for him to make money. He... You know you think
0: you're not susceptible to stuff like that? Mm. Yeah, like, well, I'm aware enough not to be scammed like that. I went into when I was eighteen. I went into buy to look at some carpet for um this room. <laughs> <laughs> I had a room that needed carpet. I went in just to look at it. I had no money in my bank. Yeah. It was like a couple of weeks before payday, and I came out... With a carpet? With a carpet. Jesus. (laughs) Just from the salesman. Like, talked me into it. Well done, that salesman. He rolled it up for me, and I put it in the back of my Suzuki. Couldn't close the boot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I once... um, you, You know Sean, who I used to live with. Sean McManus. He you can't tri-
0: name people, Joe. I can.
1: He once tricked that me. Um, Sorry. We were, living in that, Sorry Sean. we were living in that bungalow. And he said, like, oh, do you, want, do you want to come out with me? We'll have some laughs. And I thought we were going to go to the pub that was down the road, you know, the Thatch and Thistle. Yeah. And we start walking. And then we walk past the pub. And we walk to, you know, that discount carpet warehouse. And he'd already he'd <laughs> pre-ordered two massive bits of carpet, like offcuts cuts to, to carpet his room. And he'd realised that he wasn't going to be able to carry them on his own. So he got me there under false pretenses. (laughs) And then I was a bit angry, as you can imagine. It's like, no, no, no. Once we've lugged this back, I'll buy you a pint. So we lugged them back. And then he put the carpets down and just went, Joe, I've got a little confession. I've got no money. And he just went to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, God. I wasn't even angry. (laughs) You
0: (laughs) You know what the listeners would like? What? Another hour of carpet late stories.
1: I'm still currently in the process of paying off a okay, carpet. Okay,
0: well, let's do, let's do this. Click here if you want more carpet stories. Congratulations, you clicked. <laughs> <laughs> Buckle in. There are many different types of carpet. Well, I did. We're talking underlay.
1: Now, do you know, do you know what the best bit about shack. owning your own house is? You don't get. For the first time, I've walked on a carpet. For the first time in years, I've walked on a carpet that hasn't been that brown carpet that they sell to every rental property. The one that.